This is the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Friday. A lot to get to. I'm James Erpine on Twitter, at James Erpine, at Locked On Bengals. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, check out LockedOnBengals.com where we have a ton from Solomon Tetman's Prospect Spotlights, Quentin Nelson, the Notre Dame guard everyone's talking about. Solomon looked at him, has an evaluation up there right now, multiple other offensive linemen. So there's a lot up here. There's a lot. I'm, I'm looking at the site right now. There's way Mike Martis chimes in his first Locked on Bengals article with four ways the Bengals could replace A.J. McCarron this offseason. My guy Zim says it's time to sell Andy Dalton. Information on the newest Bengal. My reaction to A.J. McCarron and him becoming a free agent in my emergency podcast that I recorded yesterday from the home office as well at LockedOnBengals.com. Today's podcast, well, it's guest-heavy. Two guests. Catherine Terrell, ESPN.com, covers the Bengals. We'll get to her in about 30 seconds. And after that, Andy Benoit, MMQB.com, Sports Illustrated. He says the Bengals' biggest offseason need is quarterback. You'll hear why coming up in this podcast as well. I'll chat with Andy Benoit for about 10, 11 minutes as well. So uh, a lot to get to, a lot to discuss, and Joe Goodberry will be on this podcast on Monday. But I'm going to catch up with Joe today on my ESPN 1530 show, but it's going to be later in the day. And with Andy Benoit, already caught up with him today, might as well let you hear that conversation. But let's start with Catherine Terrell, ESPN. She's on Twitter, at Cat underscore Terrell. Catherine, I appreciate the time, and I was thinking about this this morning. We never went, like, at least me, I'm never winning a battle with my employer. Like, our listeners don't usually win an argument with their boss and come out on top. I like, and I'm happy for A.J. McCarron, because he went head-to-head with Mike Brown, head-to-head with the Bengals, and he came out on top. Well, I think it's interesting, because just talking from someone within the organization, they indicated that the players usually win. And I don't know if that's true. I haven't covered a lot of these. The only one I covered extensively was Jimmy Graham with the Saints, and he didn't win his grievance. Uh, That was when he was uh, saying he should be paid like a wide receiver instead of a tight end, and and he lost that. So I'm not sure, but I do know that the Bengals were anticipating that McCarron would win this, which I found interesting. Catherine, is it fair to say the Bengals placed too high of a premium on A.J. McCarron? Because I look at him and his value, and now they're going to lose him and only get a compensatory selection in return for him. But if they would have sold him, I remember writing about trading him or potentially trading him in the 2016 season, before the 2016 season, after he started for Andy Dalton and filled in and had that playoff game against the Steelers. To me, I look, and that was the time, and they let it get down to the wire and risked it. And obviously, they almost had a second and third round picks for him with Cleveland, unable to get that done, and now they're left with just a measly compensatory selection. Is it is that a fair criticism of the Bengals? Well, I think that maybe they should have been more aggressive about putting him on the market. Mm-hmm. I was told that the only real offer came from the Browns, which we all know how that ended. But it also seems like the Bengals never really did anything to try to get something out of this player. It seems they're kind of content to wait for other teams because they liked McCarron and they wanted to have a good backup. And obviously I get wanting to have a good backup, but if you're starting to think that this player could win his grievance, shouldn't you maybe try to explore options and be more aggressive way earlier instead of the final day of the trade deadline? I, mean, I don't know. You can only trade a player if someone wants them, but 
I'll be really interested to see how many people or how many teams are open to looking at McCarran and free agency to kind of see what the market is. And if one of those teams maybe would have been interested the last year if the Bengals had been more aggressive about kind of shopping him around. Catherine Terrell is our guest. Follow her on Twitter at cat underscore Terrell. That's how I look at it as well. I think that the Bengals said, okay, go ahead and call us if you're interested. But if they, and you just said it, if they planned on losing the grievance or thought that the, the odds were that AJ was going to win it, why wouldn't they have said, okay, Browns, instead of a second and a third, we'll, we will take just a second? Because that, that that's where the reports, and obviously they ended up getting both, and the Browns just don't know how to make a trade. But, <laughs> but, but it, if you lower the price a little bit, you still would have ended up with more than what you ended up with, which now is going to be a, some kind of compensatory selection next season. Right, and it's so interesting. If the Browns had just done their paperwork, paperwork, we wouldn't be talking about this. Yeah. Um, but I, I sense a lot of people are mad at the Bengals, which yes. they did try to trade him. That's not their fault. I mean, if anything, they should have gotten it going sooner, like I said. But that's on the Browns. But the sense I got with the trade that day was that the Browns kept trying to change the price tag, and the Bengals said, no, we like this player, you know, if anything, we're doing you a favor because we're trading him within the division, so you take it or leave it. And the Browns kind of hemmed it hard all day and then finally called back with minutes to go. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know that there ever was a set price tag. I just kept hearing that no teams really ever made a legitimate offer. So, I mean, I don't know. You could point blame in a lot of ways, but at the end of the day, this player's going to walk off, and the Bengals aren't really going to get anything for him, and it kind of seems like a waste. And to me, because a lot of Bengals fans, and I think why they're mad is because there's a legitimate group of, of fans that think that A.J. McCarron is better than Andy Dalton. Now, I'm not in that group, but at the same time, I, I look at that, and would it be crazy, knowing that the Bengals are so loyal to the Jeremy Hills, to their veterans, to their starters, to, to think if you're a fan, yeah, A.J. McCarron's going to go to the Jets or he's going to go to the Broncos or even the Browns, and he's going to have success, and we're going to look back and say, why didn't the Bengals give him an opportunity at the end of the 2017 season when if you start him, they were already out of the playoffs, they could have gotten at least a look at him and had a better idea of what he was. Well, I mean, sure, you're out of the playoffs and you go to McCarron, but then he leaves and you, you've made your – franchise court and that's how they view Dalton their franchise quarterback you've made him mad for no reason I mean then you're just in a whole mess that's why I never thought that they should have sat Dalton and played McCarron I mean if if McCarron goes after that then look what you've done you've just made this whole mess of tension for no reason and I know there are people that will disagree with me about that they'll say you should have seen what you had in McCarron but I think the Bengals felt like they know what they had in McCarron they saw him play a few years ago, they saw them in practice. So, I mean, I think they probably felt like they knew what they had. And the interesting thing is, I think Dalton signed his long-term extension the year McCarron was drafted. So, with the way the Bengals, you know, view veterans, as you said, and view money, I don't think there was ever a chance for McCarron to take the job. And you know, maybe that's the problem, not coming back to the season and saying you should have played McCarron the last two games. It's the fact that the Bengals if they invest in a player, they're not going to make it an open competition. It was always Dalton's job, no matter what, pretty much. I mean, they're, they're just not really the type of team that's going to yank Dalton for McCarron. And, you know, it's, they are what they are, I guess. <laughs> There's a lot of opinions about that. 
Catherine Terrell is our guest, ESPN.com. Give her a follow on Twitter, at Cat underscore Terrell. I also, I, I'm reading this from Pro Football Talk, and it sounds like the Bengals aren't going to be penalized or hit with anything, even though they put A.J. McCarron on the non-football injury list back in 2014 without him undergoing a medical examination, at least according to their reports. Do you think that this is a – paints the Bengals in a bad picture or shows – uh, other organizations, or maybe the NFL, or, or free agents, were rather, that maybe the the Bengals did something wrong here, and even though they're not getting penalized for it by the league, that it's just a bad look. Well, I'll say two things. I'll say first of all, teams in training camp and in the preseason mess with these lists all the time. If people only realized how many players are going on IR or, or whatnot, and that they're not really injured. Uh, they would be shocked. Uh, happens all the time, and but this is a different situation. I can't say whether they messed up or not. I think both sides have their viewpoints. I think if I need to see what the actual ruling was, but I'm going to guess it probably comes down to the fact that McCarran participated in minicamp after he sat out OTAs coming out of college. I guess because he participated, maybe they could argue that he was healthy enough to participate, and then had a reoccurrence of the injury with the team. So I think that there's both viewpoints, and I don't necessarily think it was the Bengals trying to screw him over or anything like that. Um, but I do think the fact that he was on NFI for so long is also kind of – it's probably the bigger issue. I'm not, I'm not sure. But, um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't really think there are going to be repercussions, but I, I'd like to see what the arbitrator said and then – trying to see what the decision was based on. Catherine, I went on a, a station in, in Denver last night, and they asked me, well, what is A.J. McCarron? And I, I kept it straightforward. I said he's, he would offer you stability at the quarterback position. But there's a reason he was behind Andy Dalton, and that, that's just how I view him. That's how I viewed him in 2015. Let's take it back to those to that 2015 run, because I, I've made references to this, that if we were in any other city and they had a backup quarterback do – what A.J. McCarron did in 2015. No one here would know who he was. No one here would think that he was this franchise quarterback or a really, really good player or anything of the magnitude that some people here think. Uh, back in 2015, when you were still in New Orleans covering the Saints, you obviously knew who A.J. McCarron was, but did you think he was that? Did you, did you see him at all? And did you think he's, oh, that's that's the next NFL franchise guy. The team needs to go after him. Honestly, no, is just a guy that was replacing Andy Dalton on a team that was already very good. Um, he was surrounded with a really good cast, and um, you saw that. Dalton was actually playing very well that season. I know I didn't cover the team back then, but I do know that Dalton was playing well, and I, I know that the Karen was serviceable, but I'm not sure even I'm not sure with that sample size that you could say McCarron is automatically better than, than Dalton. Um, I don't know that. I don't know how successful he's going to be. I don't think that it's definitely a home run. I think if he was a home run, a team maybe would have made a, a big offer by now and the Bengals would have taken it. I don't know. I mean, I think that fans here are just frustrated with the status quo and they're frustrated with Dalton, who didn't play well for a lot of this year, and they're frustrated with seeing passes go you know, two, two or three yards out of bounds. So <laughs> there's a lot to work on. I don't think it's all Dalton. I think getting a good quarterback coach is going to help, but um, 
back to your point, no, I don't think anyone in the NFL automatically thought that. Last question for Catherine Taro, ESPN.com. You were just at Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras correct? Yeah, yes, I was. How I was, was it? How was it? It looked a lot of fun. I was following your tweets. You were partying with Saints. It was crazy, huh? It's incredibly fun. I, I wish that everyone from Cincinnati would come down and check it out and see what it's really like. I'd never ridden on a float before, but I would describe it as just miles and miles of people partying and having a great time and lined up by the thousands. And it's so crazy, but it's so much fun, and everyone should experience it for themselves at least once. What do you think was better? That, and I know you didn't go to this, but just by your, your estimation, that or the, the Philadelphia Eagles championship parade? <laughs> wow. Um, the championship parade had to be pretty interesting. Yes. I mean, I'll take Mardi Gras myself, but, man, that would have been fun to have been a fly on the wall of that craziness. Good stuff from Catherine Terrell. Make sure you follow her on Twitter, at cat underscore Terrell. She's a video game fan, too. So occasionally she tweets about video games. So if you're into those, check out her stuff as well. At ESPN.com, she covers the Bengals. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Up next, I'll be joined by Andy Benoit, MMQB.com, to talk about the newest Bengal, the offensive line, Andy Dalton, A.J. McCarron, and more. Stay tuned right here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. It's great to have you in on a Friday. Let's get to it because Andy Benoit, MMQB.com, great stuff from him here. Uh, you, you can follow him on Twitter, at Andy underscore Benoit. I think I mentioned this earlier in the week, but I wanted to have Andy on to talk about it. Here's my conversation. I asked Andy why he had the biggest offseason need for the Bengals at quarterback. Because we, we talk about offensive line and draft and all this different stuff, but he says that the Bengals, their biggest need is to upgrade at quarterback, and I asked Andy why. Uh, because I, I think this franchise has stagnated, and if they're not going to change the coach and then change the, the overall philosophy and how they approach the game, then they need to change the way of how they play the game because we've seen enough 7-9, and 10-6 type of seasons. That's just what the Bengals are. And uh, they have to play around their quarterback quite a bit. And when he struggles, and he struggles more than, than you'd like from any starting QB. He's, he's got his moments, his positives, but his negatives are, are too consistent as well. So I, I, think it's, I think it's time because if you're going to play with Andy Dalton as your QB, you've got to be pretty much flawless at every other position around him. And even then, you're a probably 11-5 and five type of team. It's become harder to be flawless at every position. It's hard for any team to do that. We've seen that. It hasn't worked the last few years, and there's a, there's a lot of QBs out there this season. There are few in free agency, but it's a pretty good quarterback draft. At least that's the perspective. So now would be a good time to do it. And the financial hit for getting rid of Dalton is is not significant. Yeah, and I look at it in just the way the Bengals are run, and Marvin's here. They're really loyal, and I think that the the only way they do get to that that next step is if they did stumble into that elite quarterback in the draft where they could get, whether it's a, an Andrew Luck, obviously he has his shoulder issues, but a, a guy that, that could be that elite NFL quarterback. Outside of that, I'm not sure if the Bengals are ever going to get there. Yeah, I don't disagree because, again, I think the way the NFL is set up and the, the nature of the game is such that if, if you're not very good, excellent at the quarterback position, then you need dynamic skill position players around them, which the Bengals have. Uh, you need a, a 
strong running game, which the Bengals unequivocally do not have, and you need a top 10 and probably top 5 defense. You need to be the Vikings or the Jaguars are the best example of all. That's a superstar-laden defense right there, and they are able to play around and then hide their quarterback and play around them. Uh, but that's a good running game, and it's a great defense. That's not where Cincinnati is. That's not where 30 other teams in the NFL are. It's, it's, you're, as hard as it is to find a quarterback, if you can find one, you can build around that, and your roster becomes a lot easier to construct. If you can't find one, then you've got to go out and find 15 or 20 other guys. You can't miss it almost any other position. That is, that's rare to see, and it's hard to do. Follow Andy on Twitter, at Andy underscore Benoit. And you mentioned the free agent market, and there's there's a Kirk Cousins out there, Case Keenum. Based on the film you've watched, how do those two, I think those are going to be the two best free agent quarterbacks available, how do they stack up against Andy Dalton on film? Uh, they're both better than Dalton. None of these guys that we're talking about, though, are guys, I don't think Cousins is the guy you build around either. Now, what makes him different is he, I think his positives are a little better than Dalton's positives. His negatives are less frequent. He has them. He's, he can be up and down as well, Cousins, but uh, he is certainly not as up and down as Dalton. And so there's more of a steadiness with him. And when you plug in Cousins, it's reasonable that you can expect what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. You know where the reads will be. You know that he's going to play on schedule. You don't get that with Dalton. So Cousins is a more consistent version of Dalton, maybe a little bit more of a gifted one. He's still not someone, though. He's not Carson Wentz, where he can do anything and everything, and he's so gifted, uh, and his football IQs mixed in. It's off the charts. You've got everything available to you, and we're just going to do whatever we want to do for this week stylistically. That's not what Cousins is. There are about 10 QBs in the NFL like that. But look at the teams, James, that need quarterbacks this year. What's unusual is, A, there are quarterbacks on the open market. Keenum has proven he's an NFL starter, or at least he deserves that chance again this season. Cousins is certainly a starter, probably one of the top half starters in the league. That's unusual in and of itself. What's Mm -hmm. highly unusual is that the teams that happen to need these guys that happen to need quarterbacks are just a quarterback away from serious contention. Minnesota, they've got a vacancy at QB. Denver, who still has a tremendously talented defense, I'm sure they feel that a quarterback would put them at the top of the AFC West and who knows from there. And then Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville will probably retain Blake Bortles. But in theory, that's three teams that are almost Super Bowl-ready. Certainly Jacksonville and Minnesota are that just need a quarterback, and this happens to be the year where you've got some decent plug-and-play quarterbacks on the open market. And there's a quarterback that a lot of people here, especially when you're talking about Andy Dalton, have been clamoring for to start here. And it's a small sample size, but we found out yesterday A.J. McCarron's going to be a part of that free agent crop. I know you probably haven't seen a ton of him just because he hasn't played a lot, but what are your thoughts when you pop on the film and watch A.J. McCarron play quarterback? Well, I, I, was, I liked him a few years ago when he was in for a while. I, I think he certainly has a place in the NFL. But let's remember, coaches know their players much better than we do. The coaches are around these guys every single day. And the coaches are the ones who know how the plays are designed and supposed to be run. So they, they understand the mistakes that we're not always able to see. 
And these coaches, for year after year, have decided that Andy Dalton, who they don't love in that building, they like they love him personally, but they they privately the Bengals coaches view him the same way we view him. They know what he is. They've still chosen to play with Andy Dalton instead of AJ McCarron. And to me, that tells you that's that's the end of the discussion. I'm not saying McCarron can't play, but he was a fifth round pick who's been a backup for many years behind probably the league's most average starting quarterback. So this idea that, oh, he's a hot commodity out in the market, or, hey, now there's another guy that you can sign and plug in right away. Why? Why is that true? Because he didn't play in Cincinnati behind Andy Dalton. Yeah, it, it, total, it makes total sense. Andy Benoit, MMQB and SportsIllustrated.com is with us. And you mentioned how the Bengals feel about Andy Dalton. I think, and I've been told that there's – Probably no chance, at least from from beat writers and stuff, that they consider a quarterback at 12. I want them to. Do you think just based on your conversations there's any chance of that happening? Um, I would take care. I, mean, I would take your word for it. I, I think the Cincinnati media is pretty well tuned into what's going on there, and you, you do have a lot of honest communication with that team and with the media uh, off the record, and that stuff has its way of trickling down. So I I, uh, I would believe that. I, I'm surprised they feel that way. I don't know. Let's ask this. Why would they feel that way? Like, what would, what's the benefit to them if they are ruling out a quarterback now? What? How does that behoove them? Because if Josh Allen is sitting there at 12 or – or Josh Rosen falls to them at 12, are they really just going to ignore that because they've already got Andy Dalton? Uh, maybe, and that's the scary part. <laughs> I yeah, hope, I, I hope not. I don't understand that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't understand that, but uh, the Bengals do things differently. and they, they really value stability, but uh, you know they've been pretty stable at around 500 for several years now. i got to just ask you a couple more questions here before I let you go. And one that that Bengals fans kind of lost their minds the other day when the Bengals signed him uh, to a one-year contract. But Bobby Hart, they moved on from him in New York. What did you see from him on film? He clearly struggled. That whole offensive line for the Giants struggled last year. But he was he wasn't great. But most teams look right tackles in the NFL are athletically they're not very good. They're not as good as left tackles, and almost all teams now put their best defensive ends on the defensive left side, so they're matching up against these right tackles. Think about in your guys' case, Carlos Dunlap's your best defensive end, but think of all the other teams, J.J. Watt, Vaughn Miller, Khalil Mack, Justin Houston, Joey Bosa. All these guys play on the, uh, on the, across from the right tackles. So just about every team has issues at the right tackle position. And Bobby Hart, he was nothing special last year, but I didn't ever put on the film and feel like, He's the reason they 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 stink on offense. They they can't you can't play with this guy. I think you could plug him in and play. I don't know about him personally. I don't know what his character's like, uh, but I, I don't know if there's any reason for Bengals fans to be upset about his his presence. Last question for Andy Benoit of the MMQB and Sports yeah. Illustrated. Russell Bodine set for free agency. The Bengals center. He started for four straight years. Marvin says the team wants him back. He's not necessarily. Um, a fan favorite here in Cincinnati. When you watch Russell, what do you see? I thought I, I liked him early on in his career. I liked where the trajectory was pointing. I I don't think that has panned out that way. Uh, that interior offensive line, that whole interior line for the last couple of years has been underwhelming, and I think you get some issues in pass protection, and when those guys have to move laterally, whether it's by design or 
improv. Uh, they've struggled at times, and I think Bodine's been a part of that. So someone will find him. There's, again, there's, he's another guy. There's a place for him in the NFL. He's certainly an NFL player. Uh, but you're signing him as a high-end backup if you're in a good position or as a plug-in guy that you're hoping can can keep what's already a decent offensive line afloat. You're not signing Russell Bodine to remake how you play the game up front. You've been great with your time. I appreciate it, and uh, enjoy your weekend. All right. Thanks, James. That's Andy Benoit, MMQB.com. He's on Twitter, at Andy underscore Benoit. Good stuff from him. So, hey, maybe, just maybe, Bobby Hart might be okay. And Russell Bodine, well, he's a backup, so why is he starting? If you're going to bring him back, let him be the backup. And Andy Dalton, don't be scared to move on from him. I like that interview. He agreed with a lot of uh, the stuff. It's not like he, I don't think he listens to the podcast or listens to my radio show. Yeah, we agreed. It's good stuff. The whole draft the quarterback philosophy, the whole look elsewhere for a quarterback, that, do it. Do it. We'll get into more of that. We'll get into prospects, NFL draft prospects with Joe Goodberry on Monday's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, follow on Twitter at Locked on Bengals, at James Erpine. Check out LockedOnBengals.com right now. A ton up there between A.J. McCarron, the Bengals offseason needs, prospects, spotlights, every single podcast. And by the way, let me see if I can tell you this. Okay. Locked on Reds. I have a feeling it's going to start next week. I don't have confirmation as, as of 2.40, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Locked on Reds is going to debut next week. So stay tuned for that. Have a great weekend. Make sure you check out LockedOnBengals.com. Plenty of ideas that are going to be published over the weekend. Follow on Twitter at James Rapine at LockedOnBengals. And as always, you can email me, James Rapine at ESPN1530.com. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. 